Hey, Last Mile DeFi family, we are back here with another podcast, this time with Camila Rioja. Mila, as many of us know her by, is the LATAM lead at the Cello Foundation. So at this point, and largely by pure coincidence, we've heard from three different builders in the Cello community, Jorge and Gabriela from Ethic Hub, James Downer from Rola, and Jackie Bona from Valora. This is a really fascinating conversation, which essentially lays down the groundwork as to why there have been so many builders within the Cello ecosystem that are so focused on enabling better, more prosperous futures for all. In many ways, this conversation is a capstone and a recap to explore exactly how Cello has managed to bring so many builders into their ecosystem that are passionate about bringing more prosperous futures to Latin America. So Mila left her role as a partner at a law firm and then fell down the proverbial crypto rabbit hole. She now gets to fuse her passion for technology and law together. She walks us through why she made this decision, what she sees in the Latin American region, and why she believes that we are fertile ground to enable more prosperous futures powered by decentralized technologies. She also explains what Cello's unique positioning is, both from a technological standpoint, the unique offering that Cello's bring to the table, and their commitment to environmental regeneration. Her thesis, and I'm sure that many of us listening to this podcast believe in this as well, is that Latin America is ready to bring about change that is powered by this new blockchain technology. Mila also walks us through the various opportunities that builders can engage with the Cello ecosystem, irrespective of where they are along their builder journey. For those of you that care about the fundamentals of how we go about building better substrates for coordination, this is certainly a fascinating conversation. Enjoy, my friends. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Last Mile DeFi. Today, I am joined by Camila Rioja from the Cello team. Camila, it's amazing to have you here. Welcome to the podcast. Hola, que tal? Hi, everybody. A great pleasure to be here. Thank you for this invitation. I'm super excited. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, Camila or Mila, as some people know you, um, I'd love to, you know, start with a little bit of the basics, you know, what you're up to at Cello and, and what your role is there. Sure. Um, I have been in the Cello ecosystem for a little over two years, and now I'm with the Cello Foundation, and my role is Latin American lead. And it's a fancy name, right? But what it means uh, down the line is that I have this amazing role in which I can have um, meaningful conversations with founders, understand what their needs are and how to like amplify them where either like to grants or to programs and projects. I also have the amazing opportunity to make partnerships rather with institutional players and sometimes even with governments as it has happened more than one time throughout Latin America. Moreover, I also take on very relevant invitations like this one to discuss what we have been doing. So that's kind of what I do. Awesome. Awesome. You are truly the perfect person to be discussing kind of the role that Cello plays in Latin America. So really, really looking forward to this conversation. But let's start with the basics. I, I always think it's super important to get to know people, kind of understand their crypto journey, how they ended up where they are today. So walk the audience through, you know, how did you get to being the LATAM lead at Cello, you know, even your time before crypto? I know it's hard to imagine sometimes, but, you know, we all had our, our pre-crypto days. So walk us through, uh, you know, how, how did you get to where you are today? 
I remember that the first time I told the story of how I got into crypto uh, in public, I asked people not to throw tomatoes at me. It was a joke. I was at La Bitconf on stage and I had to tell all the maxes that I was a lawyer uh, in my previous life. So that's how uh, it went. Of course, they laughed. Um, I'm just making a, a little bit of a joke here, but it's actually an interesting way uh, through which I entered crypto, I believe. As a lawyer, I was always super curious about how to do things in a different way. And much like the um, finance industry, right? There are so many things in the legal area and practice that are just broken. Just because this is such an old like profession, the way that we think about solving problems or maybe the tools that we use. So I was always challenging myself on how to like acquire a different set of like skills or knowledge that would, you know, help me do things in a different way. So I started studying the intersection of law and technology. And I was part of a DAO without a DAO <laughs> that is called Legal Hackers. It's an amazing global distributed movement that is live in over 200 cities. Um, and the idea of this movement is to propose or help people to get to the point of proposing creative solutions in the intersection of law and technology. So my path was very much it started very much related to what a lawyer can do, right? So what does a lawyer do? We read a lot, we study a lot. After we accrue some knowledge, we start like writing. So I was writing papers and articles about the intersection of line technology and try to understand what different technologies would play a role in something like that. So I studied a lot about artificial intelligence, geometrics, which is something else that makes sense to the law. And at a certain point I said, cool, but now that I'm studying, reading, writing, and now teaching about creative solutions in the intersection of one thing and the other, I also want to build. Um, so I had a startup that was a legal technology startup in which we would experiment and plug and play with existing solutions um, that would, you know, allow us to provide legal services in a different way. After a lot of that, I just started studying too much blockchain technologies. And, and you know, when you just get sucked in, and that's what happened with me because I had an aha moment in which I said, okay, I'm dealing with things after the problem or the situation is created. What if I could have a role in helping design systems that could effectively lead to a net positive outcome um, by default, by design, you know, really in the roots of it. So that's what got me into crypto. It was really a builder's mindset. But the funny part that it was that this was coming from um, a lawyer and not a builder per se. By the way, I already tried to like code. I have so many stories about that, but I wait for you to ask when it's time. Awesome. Awesome. I, I love that you, I know lawyers, as you said, have this insatiable thirst for knowledge. Um, and I'd love to explore a little bit of, so you went from, you know, launching this legal tech startup and, and what, what took you to Cello? You know, what was that journey like sort of as you fell down the proverbial rabbit hole and immediately saw yourself like, transformed and warped and totally crypto pilled as happens with so many of us. So what was it that, you know, you saw in Celo and how did that journey sort of come about and, and what led you to where you are today? Now that I look back, things seem like so clear, 
But when I was living through this, it was not Marcus. There was a lot of like, sometimes a bit of anxiety. Like, okay, I had a career in a law firm. I was partner of a law firm. What am I doing here? Does this lead to anything? So now that I'm telling you the story, it seems like fun and lighthearted and flashy, but there were a lot of like crazy moments. So I made a first decision to like pivot my startup to be something more broad. So, hey, are you a founder or are you a company wanting to go from like web two to web three or develop a new way to do your business? I'm your like one-stop shop solution. So I was helping companies uh, and founders to find their ways through Latin America, either designing the product or like with go-to-market strategies with relevant introductions. And in this scenario, um, somebody introduced me, I found their own cello. And this guy has an amazing life story. He's a Brazilian. Uh, he was born in Brazil, but actually he was raised um, in Europe. He was adopted by a family in Europe. Uh, and then he was building with passion, you know, to link opportunities and solutions between these two different countries. And I was put in contact to him as a person that could be, you know, like advising him or helping his path through. And he was the person who stopped me and at the entertainment said, no, not me wholesale ecosystem you need to get to meet them they think just like you do so it was funny because i knew about a lot of like um layer ones layer twos and different projects but i didn't know cello just yet and the first testimony that i got from cello it was not by reading the white paper or by receiving a swag or anything like it, it was by the words of like a founder and that's so meaningful when you hear the journey of a founder saying, hey, why did I choose this and the reasons X, Y, and Z. So that's how I got to Cello. Actually, Cello got to me in a very like candid way. And the words that got stuck to me from that conversation uh, were the following. Cello means purpose in Esperanto. And the purpose is to create um, a system that generates, generates conditions of prosperity to all, shared prosperity, prosperity to everyone. And that resonated deeply with me because one of the like some of the problems that I was trying to solve uh, when I was a lawyer was exactly that like um, access and understanding and how do we make systems you know that they have this approach they're made for everybody to use it's not only who speaks English or not only who has studied X Y or Z terms or not only for the people who know how to code not only for you know, there's always like a set of parameters and standards, you know, of how you play a role into something that is changing the world. And the idea of Celo doing like a, a, not only a technology, but building a community that generates conditions of prosperity to all was something that really got to me. So that's why me on Celo and Celo on me. Amazing. Amazing. I, I think that you know, you mentioned earlier on as well, the trajectory that it took you to get to here and the risk you had to take as well, right? You were a partner at a law firm and then all of a sudden you get crypto pilled and you're like, oh my gosh, I want to learn more about this whole like crazy world. And taking that leap oftentimes can feel really scary. And I also think that on the other side of the leap is that moment, that aha moment where you end up precisely where you're meant to end up. And so I think it's like an amazing story to hear that like you had this strong resonance with Cello. And, you know, I, I think this idea and I, I have the, the Cello shirt, right, that says prosperity for everyone. I think that's like precisely what has always called me towards the Cello ecosystem as well um, is understanding more of how do we build an ecosystem. And
at this point, the listeners will have heard about James Downer from the Rola uh, project, as well as with Jackie Bona from Valora as well. Uh, and so this is really kind of the third exposure where the audience has heard about Cello. So on that point, you know, I'm wondering for those that may not be as intimately familiar with like the Cello ecosystem, can you just give us like an overview of Cello, you know, the offering that you guys are bringing to the table, how it differs from other blockchains uh, in the space so far? Let's start there. Sure. Uh, yeah. So the as we discuss here, right, is uh, the motto of Salo is like building with purpose and building for all. So Salo is a mission first, planet positive blockchain ecosystem, uh, leading, you know, um, change, positive change and positive externalities in the ecosystem as a whole. So it is a blockchain protocol. It is a community of builders. Salo um, came to life on Earth Day 2020. Um, in terms of numbers, there's over um, 19, probably around 19 million unique wallets. There are over 1,000 projects building on Celo. Um, over, I think, $60 million were granted in grants, right, uh, uh, to the public uh, the past year. Um, there is a mission and a target to serve mobile phone users. So when Cello was built, was built with that mindset. Okay, we want prosperity to be shared and prosperity needs to be for everyone. But can it be for everyone if it's not on a mobile phone, right? In the hands of everybody. So when we talk about like a mission and a vision, and it's it's very interesting that at this point you've spoke with founders on the Cello ecosystem. You really need a technology that is like the basis for that. So that's the blockchain. You need the purpose. But you also need to make sure that your product or project really gets adoption, you know, by the individuals. So, okay, so what are the real world use cases? What can I do with like uh, uh, X, Y, or Z apps that have Salo on its background, but they are going to like impact lives? So I think this is like a common denominator that you're going to see in different parts of the Salo ecosystem. It's like building for positive impact and also building for uh, real world use cases. I think there's over 170 million transactions. This number changes um, every day. And another very interesting thing is uh, that everything by default that is registered on Salo that is a that is proof of stake, it's a fork of Ethereum and it's proof of stake. Uh, has its um, carbon uh, credits compensated. This is automatic. You don't need to think about like building a part of your project specific to compensate because the Sala blockchain is already doing it by default. So one thing that I think it's important to mention is that Sala gets the purpose and the mission and the theory and then hacks the tools and the technology that are able to put us closer to this mission. So I think that's that's how I would introduce Salo blockchain and community. Amazing. And I'm sure a lot of folks are obviously going to be really familiar with like the Ethereum ecosystem as well. So uh, I'd love to understand more of what Celo was a response to, right? So what was the need for Celo to emerge uh, that hadn't previously existed prior to Earth Day 2020? That's a very interesting question, right? So I think the, the, the motto was that, okay, how do we make 
the blockchain technology accessible and create some sort of an infrastructure that is going to lead to the building of products that is they're going to serve like mass consumers or they're going to be focused on preserving the nature so one of the things is, is that a solo as a blockchain is optimized as mobile first. So I think this was one like of the positionings of this launching that was um, relevant. The second was like being inherent, like um, close and compatible with Ethereum. So it's EVM, there are all sorts of like compatibility, not only in terms of like technology, but also in terms of how we see the world and we want, what we want to see built. This is more on the theoretical side again, but also that has like practical, like technical applications. Um, the other thing that I think it's important is the ability to pay gas fees um, in any local stable assets. So... Um, Besides like cello, right, uh, you also have cello dollars, cello euros and cello reais, which are community tools um, to provide like different services and applications, including for DeFi, right, uh, on their local currencies. So this, you know, opportunity for you to pay gas fees, they're lower uh, 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 and easier on the like stable currency, it's also something that um, seemed to make sense for the community and for the people who are building on it. And of course, I could not like end this without mentioning, it's really this regenerative finance focus. So how do we get out the building blocks uh, for the builders who are going to like be focusing on refi solutions? Amazing, amazing. Yeah, I, I definitely think that being able to build a, an ecosystem around regeneration is super crucial, right? And being able to focus and have this sort of shelling point that is the cello blockchain is crucial in order for us to scale planetary regeneration, enabling prosperity for all, so on and so forth. So I'm, I'm really excited to sort of dive into that uh, as well, sort of later on in, in the conversation. But before getting into that and, you know, sort of the, the wider ecosystem that Zello has built, and by the way, it is to some extent coincidence that it just so happens that uh, quite a number, three out of the 10 or so guests that are going to be on this podcast are builders within the Zello ecosystem, right? Like that was, as I was doing, reaching out to all the different folks that I wanted to speak with that had done a really amazing job of enhancing adoption in Latin America, a lot of them were already like cello builders, right? So it just speaks to the power of like the cello community, right? And um, that's Ethic Hub, Rola, and Valora as well. So, um, you know, I, I think there is so much that can be attested even through this podcast alone as far as like the cello kind of network effects that have been built. So, but let's, let's zoom into Latin America and let's explore a little bit of, you know, your role as the LATAM lead, you know, what are you seeing in Latin America? Um, and why is Celo putting an emphasis on there? And, you know, what is Celo ultimately like responding to in the region? That is a really exciting opportunity. So this question is super interesting uh, to myself from different like reasons, right? Uh, and again, not to mention the background, but I, uh, when I was practicing, uh, uh, I was specialized in economics and in some deals that were like global deals that involved legislation, regulation and companies that were located uh, all over the world. And sometimes the matches were, okay, there's a company that is located in Brazil and in the United States or in Brazil, Peru, Bolivia, and Asia, and somewhere in Asia. So like all these different combinations, you know, of like how 
businesses, initiatives, and entities would position themselves in different markets was something that was part of my my previous life prior to all the all the good pills, and then. Uh, when I joined, like a little before, like joining the solar ecosystem, I was already focusing my activities in Latin America as a region. And there are, and this is my personal take first, then I can talk about Salo, but Latin America is vastly unique in terms of culture. We know that, but also in terms of richness, our cultural heritage, it's something that it's unique. It's so amazing and it's so rich and can teach so much, uh, I believe, you know, not only to our region, but also to the world when it comes to how we take care of each other, how we nurture like our relationship with the environment, how we survive and thrive even before like different enemies or complex conditions that happen to us either by nature uh, or by the forces of how the history was built. So I always saw a lot of power and a, a lot of richness on that. And I also think that um, in, in, in more organizational terms, our whole region, it's open and prone to innovation in a very like welcoming manner. And we can talk about how individuals behave in face of that and how like companies and governments behave on, on the face of that. Like uh, um, Brazil and Latin America, sometimes we have some of the highest numbers in adoption when it comes to mobile games or anything that you do by doing like mobile transfers. We all have like a, such an amazing participation in different social media. That means that we live a lot of our lives online. So there's not like a barrier when it comes to much of a barrier when it comes to like adopting a tech, adopting a technology that is on a mobile phone from a consumer perspective. When we look at like, um, companies and governments, I also think that we have naturally a hacker mind. The reason why I say this is because we have been through so much uh, uh, and the conditions here, sometimes they're not the easiest, but we usually come out on the other side with solutions, uh, with good mood, excellent food, awesome, like cultural heritage and parties. So I think there is a mindset, a Latin American mindset that all together with conditions of legislation and, and, and some uh, uh, more flexible ways to see technology and to experiment technology, make the whole Latin America as a very fertile ground for something like uh, emergent technologies. So this is how I always saw things. And when it comes to like matching this, uh, which is my background, my mindset and the way I, I like to do things with the mission of Celo. It was just like a natural fit because Salo is saying, hey, it's technology that is built for mobiles. It's cheap. Um, it's fast. It has like a suit of tools that can allow people to either do their own decentralized stable assets or natural backed um, assets or like community currencies. And there's a whole like checklist of things that these founders on Salo are building right? And how they're building it. That is really focused on like community usage, but also has all the high technology that is needed for mass adoption also by institutional and incumbent like players. So I think it was just like this, this right match. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, uh, undoubtedly, I think Latin America is, is ripe and ready and already has proven to be a perfect space for crypto to really take off, right? So we've seen it in Argentina and Venezuela, in El Salvador, 
right? And throughout, you know, Brazil has one of the highest user activities of crypto as well, right? So clearly the region is ready and continues to prepare itself for more and more crypto adoption. And I'm super excited. And really the intention of this podcast is to sort of explore some of the utility, particularly when it comes to decentralized finance around the opportunities that exist in the region. So I'd love to zoom in on that point specifically and explore you know, what role have you seen decentralized finance play in Latin America and what challenges is it responding to in the region? So, and we can, you know, look at a couple of like Zello examples as well, but like what's the backdrop mm -hmm. for incumbent financial mm -hmm. institutions and what is offered to people today? And, you know, where has Zello sort of stood up and said, you know, this is the offering and this is how it's improving people's lives. Um, I spoke in your last question from a more broader level, right? And now, as you said, like deep diving on this, we also need to assess what are the differences between the countries in Latin America, like in terms of like market maturity and readiness and also like an existing builders community in each of these countries or the, the, the possibility to build rails between the traditional financial system and crypto, they vary. Right. And I was very fortunate to be able to experience like firsthand in different countries how this would be playing out. So you mentioned El Salvador. Right. So by the time the Bitcoin legislation was passed, I spoke internally and I said, I think we should be there. And everybody was like, okay, but this is a, a Bitcoin legislation. How does that impact the mission of Celo? And then looking through the lenses, right, that I always have on, it's a matter of, okay, um, different technologies have different like preferred or first use cases. I can understand as somebody from Latin America, maybe, you know, the, the economic and the whole context on how like the Bitcoin legislation came out to be in a country like El Salvador. But I also understand that the shift is being done in a very like fast manner. So shouldn't we be there doing a little bit of like the first listening to the individuals and the grounds? And that was my first thing. Okay, they will start with Bitcoin, but can't we just like go there and listen to what the community wants and what do they need from the Web3 and the crypto community? So the first approach was as simple as that, like, who are the key uh, relevant stakeholders in terms of like institutions like FinTech Association, banks and so on and so forth, and even the government? but also like individuals. Can we talk with individuals? There was a similarity between all of them that was like, we want to understand blockchain technologies better. So at first, what we did in El Salvador, because of the time and the market maturity, that was one for Bitcoin, but one very different for other applications built uh, uh, on a blockchain, right? Was to explore blockchain, use cases, how to build stuff. So I, I took three trips there, very different, but like very organized, like strategically on how to do it. The first one was like, okay, what do people want and can we serve it? Then we made a proposition on how we could, you know, engage with the community. And at the time was providing what they wanted by hosting like a series of um, talks and also like a small ideathon, not a proper hackathon, but an idea hackathon, um, an ideathon, and then leaving like a DevRel 100% um, available to help the community if they wanted to build. And the last thing that we did was to take part on LabetConf, right? Also to like have conversations with everybody. This was almost like two years ago. And what happened after two years is that now El Salvador is passing on the legislation that addresses 
other crypto assets and also like stable coins. So like, then this is what I mean. It depends on the market maturity and it depends on the market readiness. In contrast to that, I can tell you about an experience uh, when, in Brazil that was super interesting. Like last year was a very relevant year for the whole Brazilian community. We kicked off January with the launch of Celo Hell, the third stable asset uh, on Celo, decentralized, community-led. And it, there was like an amazing adoption. I think there were five or six cash-in and cash-out options for Celo Hell on the launch. After that, we had community taking over, like all social media. We had different initiatives. Uh, we had um, smaller ideathons and hackathons. But in the end of the year, uh, we culminated with a hackathon with the Ministry of Economics to experiment with tokenizing uh, what's worth $400 billion in public assets, in public goods of Brazil. So this is another approach, right? Also based on what the community, you know, can offer and provide, but with another type of positioning. This year too, one of the founders on Celo of a company called Love Crypto was chosen by the Central Bank of Brazil to um, present a suggestion on the interoperability of Brazilian CBDC and Celo stable assets. So all of this is happening. It's all real. It isn't there. And it's also like a, a a community right approach to what different countries are able or available to offer or to want to do right what does a country want to do with blockchain we're not the ones to determine we should listen to the population we should listen to the business we should listen to like what the problems are and provide the tools so that the community builds themselves what they need i think that is such an important point and something that for me, even along this journey has also been something to continuously check myself on, you know, and this idea of like Latin America as a continent. While, yes, as you mentioned, we share so much. We share good food. We share really warm environments. We share a lot of history from a colonial standpoint. We share, you know, a very similar legal framework throughout the entire region. And also at the same time, each country and region is so unique and so specific, particularly in the context of crypto, right? So El Salvador, for example, obviously like mega Bitcoin friendly. And on the other side of that, you might have a, a region that is like not at all amicable to uh, crypto. Bolivia, for example, where you are forbidden from transacting with crypto, right? So I, I think that it, that is such an important point. And the only way that you are successfully going to learn how you're going to approach and deploy a successful solution is going to be by listening to the community. So I'm, I'm so glad that as you guys are deploying these solutions, you're going about functionally looking to say, hey, what do you need, right? And, and how can Celo potentially serve as a solution to those challenges? So, and and on the, the DeFi front, so what, what have you seen? Like, I'm wondering if you could perhaps like pull a couple of examples across your experience where you've seen specific projects or, or what challenges have you seen in you know, each region or each country where Celo has looked towards deploying a solution uh, specifically within DeFi? Very interesting point. Um, the first thing that is um, necessary, much needed, it's like cash in and cash out, right? Uh, and why cash in and cash out? Because when we are talking about like building for everyone, we cannot expect that the people who are going to be using DeFi in Latin America, they are already crypto natives. 
So how do we remove like the barriers? How do we remove the friction of getting into like the crypto world? So cash in and cash out on and off ramps uh, has been something that is dearly, um, it's it's a dear mission of the seller community as a whole. Um, There's even a program that was launched. um, It is called Connect the World. Um, We can have, I don't know if we can post like a link somewhere nearby this podcast, but I know that some grants are still available uh, through that program. Uh, Initially had $20 million to allow builders and all over the world to build the rails that would provide cash in and cash out options for cello assets throughout the globe. Um, this is a reality like in over 100 countries, including most countries in Latin America. Um, all the cash in and cash out options, not all, but most of them, right, are available on the website for Connect the World. And what is interesting to see is that sometimes there's one missing link still in one of these countries or these communities. And I can give like an example here that happened just like uh, last week. So um, I usually stay in Brazil or traveling throughout Latin America, but right now I'm in San Francisco in the uh, offices of Celo. And I met two people who work here. It's a couple uh, and they are actually from Guatemala. And I spoke with them. I said, hey, have you ever used uh, crypto? And they said, no. And I said, let's do a trial. There are different things that you can do with crypto, this, this, this and that. And then I taught them how to use Valora. And I gave them like some solid dollars. And the funny thing is that I didn't give like enough to buy uh, a pizza to one of them. I gave a, a portion to one and a portion to other to see if they could like make the transactions. And then I taught them how to like buy a voucher to buy a pizza. And I said, this would be like use case number one. Like, can you use crypto to buy something? And then the answer was yes. They arrived the next day with a picture eating pizza. It was perfect. The second thing that we wanted to do, it's remittances, right? Or to send money or to send crypto to their relatives in Guatemala. And then I found out looking at the Connect the World website that there are only, I think there are four cash-in options in Guatemala, but there's not a cash-out option yet. So this is the one example of something that can be built because this couple, they told me they spent $6 to like send money to the relatives in Guatemala when they need it. Uh, if the situation was taking place, for instance, with somebody in Brazil, they're over, as I said, five cash in and cash out options. They're centralized and they're even decentralized uh, options on how this uh, could take place. So what I would say are the the, um, the most relevant or the, the keystones, right, for the file on Salo, they are the following. One, cash in and cash out. Secondly, like this technology that anyone can use to propose a stable asset on their countries. It's decentralized, it's governance-based. You just go there and say, it's time for pesos in Argentina. Uh, what would what would it take for us to move to the next step? And actually, there's a group from Colombia that is right now working on the fourth stable asset to be for Colombia. So uh, how does this like stack? You know, what are the modular pieces? Cash in and cash out the stable assets, and then like the works of founders, right? To build the different solutions to use with them. So you spoke with Valora. Uh, there's a very interesting wallet in Brazil that's called BitFi. BitFi allows you to pay uh, for, they have an integration with POS machines. Uh, and these POS machines, they're 
they are present in over one, 1 million points of sale in Brazil. So when it comes to payment, you can go out to dinner. You can sometimes go to your grocery store and pay with your crypto wallet. Another thing that this wallet allows you to do is also to pay bank slips. I don't know if this is something that is common for people in the United States or other regions, but in Latin America, bank slips are just like this barcodes that you can pay for anything you need without having a bank account. And that's relevant for different countries for different reasons. One of them is because maybe you don't have a bank account. The second one is because maybe you own money to the bank, but you still need your electricity. So you run, you do a gig, you make a service, you give a class to somebody and you get this money and you have a choice. Either you repay what you want to the to the bank or you have electricity or you pay water or you buy food. So bank slips are something that are super known uh, in Latin America and it's something that you can also do with this um, with this app. Another interesting thing is that this app has uh, an agreement with the oldest bank of Brazil. It's called Bank of Brazil. The Bank of Brazil has allowed individuals to pay taxes with crypto. So that's how far deep things are intertwined. Another very interesting app allows you to do like prepaid credit cards. Um, there are apps that allow you very easily, like for instance, Good Ghosting, right? That now it's uh, changing names and going through a rebranding. They teach people how to save money. They teach people how to stake money. They teach people how to, you know, uh, think about their financial lives in something out of like the, 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 the day or the monthly spend. I don't know if I know this makes sense for people who live in Latin America, but further explaining this concept, uh, a lot of people here, they live day by day, meaning that if they can make money in a day, they can eat and they can have their basic like resources or they live by month. They don't have savings. So when you have like DeFi solutions playing in a role in which people can learn how to save their money and actually have like a, a better conditions on doing things, it's awesome. We can also talk about UBI, good dollar and impact uh, uh, market doing such a great job uh, by allowing like a flow of resources to people in Latin America. So that's kind of an overview, right? There's so many more founders. I'm sorry if you're a founder on Salo, if we spoke 1000 times, if I love your project and I haven't mentioned it here, the idea is not to like show, but just to give like one example of different projects in different realms. Oh, and also just to finalize uh, the project that I mentioned, Love Crypto, who is now assessing like the interoperability of like uh, uh, solo stable assets and a Brazilian CBDC, which would be something amazing. I love the fact that you can pay your taxes with crypto. Like that is just speaks <laughs> to the extent to which like there is super, you know, the advancement that is required, right, for one to be able to pay their taxes with crypto is just, uh, it's amazing and, and really exciting to see Brazil also take like a very sort of pro-crypto stance in many ways too. Um, and, you know, you mentioned this example of this Guatemalan family who we were actually in touch with and, and I'm really excited to sort of like walk them through their crypto journey. Uh, remittances, I mean, in Guatemala, remittances make up nearly 20% of our annual GDP. And we have the largest GDP in Central America. You know, the amount of economic value that is low-hanging fruit for crypto to play a role in and to, you know, $6 is, is low compared to some 
transfer services can charge you up to $40 to receive wow. the money in your bank account. No, it's, it's ridiculous. So imagine you're sending $100, already you've lost 40% of the value of the transfer compared to sending money on Celo, you know, which will cost you a cent or less. Uh, it, the, the difference is just uh, astounding. So, and, you know, hopefully we'll be able to get uh, the Connect the World program launched here soon and uh, get this family uh, their off ramp. So really excited to, to see where that continues to grow and, and flourish. And would love to explore a little bit of the, you mentioned a lot of the different founders and, uh, you know, I'm sure mm-hmm. a lot of them are, are eagerly listening to this, but what, what has been Salus thesis around building an ecosystem in Latin America? Like how, how have you guys sort of thought about the ecosystem that you're developing? Oftentimes, especially if we're sort of looking at things from a zero sum perspective, competition can sometimes be seen as something that's scary. Uh, you know, what, what's the approach you guys have taken to saying, Hey, there are, you know, dozens of founders in the Latin American region. Uh, if not more, right? Hundreds probably. So how can we support and, and create a, an ecosystem for these folks to really collaborate and co-create and rather than, you know, spend duplicitous amounts of energy building the same thing? What does that process look like? Super interesting question. Uh, and it's, of course, like an ongoing work because there's so much to do when you're building an ecosystem, right? Um, there's the institutional partnership type of approach, there's the communications like realm. Okay. You're doing this, but how do you communicate, you know, in Spanish and Portuguese, like everything that's happening to like attract the founders, but also like to let the community know about what's going on. Um, there's another portion, which is like, what are the resources that we make available for founders on the solo ecosystem? And that for itself, um, it, it's a, a theme that would take a whole podcast, but like trying to summarize there are different, like a journeys that a founder uh, can undertake on Cello. One very interesting journey that I would recommend to everybody is Cello Camp. It's an acceleration program in which you can like enroll. There are like three or four cello camps every year. And then you have um, people who are very knowledgeable in the cello ecosystem and that play different roles and that wear different hats. You have from investors to uh, like uh, uh, institutional investors to NGO investors to professors to developers to business developers to lawyers, uh, like helping nurture like your company development, like energizing the growth of a solution or one idea. So this is a very relevant path. You go through the acceleration program. By the end of it, you have a small competition. There are VCs that commit like some money to like igniting these founders, right? And what is Camp looking for? So every edition is a bit different. Sometimes uh, there's a call out for specific types of like projects or, or, or founders prior to the launch of uh, Solo Camp. Like, okay, now we want to focus on interoperability. Now we want to focus cash in and cash out solutions. I didn't mention in your last uh, question, but there are, there are two Argentinian wallets that allow people to receive their wages in crypto. So this is also like a very good like suggestion and rails and use cases. Now we, we want to focus a bit on community. Like who are, what are the projects that can teach people how to use crypto or the full batches like focused on refi, which I would say is the, 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 the greater umbrella above all of this. So this is one like 
path. This is one railway that a founder could like go through. But maybe you're a founder that already has like your project set up. You understand your go-to-market strategy. You just need to go to like another level, you know, of organizing. So there's something amazing that's called the Hitchhiker's Guide for Fundraising on Cello. This is publicly available, like information. You just like type exactly that. And then you're going to have access to a very good material that was crafted by like pros uh, on Cello. And it can be used by other ecosystems. It can be used to other founders. Like the end of the road is just that like uh, uh, for Cello, there are the VCs uh, um, and the other types of like where you can get money if you're building on Cello ecosystem. But all the teaching there is in there, like, how you assemble your pitch deck, like here are some best practices. It, it's public, it's for free. It's a very good source of knowledge for those people who are more like maybe like far advanced or are onto the DIY um, type of organizing. Um, another journey that founders can take on uh, its um, hackathons and these hackathons they are going to take place in different countries uh, sometimes they're like focused in a specific theme like the hackathon for uh, with the government of Brazil right it had a very specific clear theme and which I like because if you have like a country or uh, an institution telling you like this is an opportunity that means that if you're hacking towards like the solution, there might be adoption, right, for, for what you're building. So you can engage in these different uh, hackathons. Um, there are a lot of refi hackathons. Actually, this is a call out for everybody who's listening to us right now. By the end of this month of March, there will be Ethereum Samba taking place in Brazil. Cello will be co-hosting one hackathon track on refi. Uh, there will be bounties available. What we want to see is how to further hack solutions in Brazil and in Latin America. So be all like our guests. Another path that you can take on Cello ecosystem is grants. Uh, and grants, it's something super interesting because it's always, always like kind of a duality, you know, uh, you want to like make these resources available, but are there milestones and steps that are going to be accomplished like by this founder, by this DAO or by this community? And what is like, what, what should be, what does milestones should look like just so that the community feels the impact and the network effect of what these people are building? Because when we are talking about community money, you need to give something back for the community, right? It's like the responsibility in the end goal is to make the community feel that that money is like being well employed. So like grants, I think it's a huge responsibility for um, everybody that is dealing with it in the ecosystem. Um, if none of those are your cup of tea we also do um like uh, i am every every week uh, on discord tuesdays 11 15 a.m gmt last three which is brasilia time available to speak with founders and people who just want to like bounce back their ideas right sometimes you see an opportunity you don't know like what's the best way to tackle or you want to know what kind of partnerships it's like uh, uh, advice or, or or consulting and we do this with a group it's open source, open shared, open knowledge, you go there, you speak your problem, I'll be there, some other people will also be there, and then this is going to like generate a positive outcome. So again, Marcus, what we try to do is provide like journeys that could be of interest for specific like profiles of builders 
and be as serious as possible and like sharing our mission, sharing your vision, our vision and the way we see the world to make sure that the projects that are arriving, they're connected to what the community of Salo like stands by. Amazing. And that's exactly how, you know, it's been perceived. And I think it's ultimately what has led to so many grassroots founders and communities and projects really flourishing in Latin America is given that you put such a strong emphasis. And this is unlike a lot of other ecosystems in the blockchain space where it's like, hey, this is like the one program where you can talk to us. And even then it's quite impenetrable. The fact that you guys put a ton of work into saying in all these different spaces, you can connect in, with us in all these different ways, I think is like crucial. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm just you know, very grateful, obviously, to the entire Celo ecosystem and, and very bullish on, you know, continuing to see uh, Celo continue to grow and flourish in, in that regard. Right. So uh, and, and on that thread, like, let, let's talk about what Celo in your eyes in Latin America looks like if things are maximally successful. Like, where does the future of Celo lie and, and what role do you play in the ecosystem and what does that look like within relationship to other players uh, that currently exist in the space? Very interesting question, which is the year ahead, right? And after the year before, that was super strong with, um, again, speaking from a personal like perspective, perspective i'm super grateful to have been able to like launch a, help launch a project a product right which is an open source product which is sell i was also super like uh, i'm also super grateful for being able to like do this uh, to kick off and to kick start different ecosystems in latin america to be able to do this like government level partnerships uh, what i would hope like to see this year right as founders building on top of the existing rails that are in there. And if I can be the person who helps um, the whole ecosystem, you know, like to sew in like good partnerships or to see opportunities or to feel closer to Latin America and its opportunities, that's where I want to be and that's what I want to do. I think we have the basics, but it's a matter now of like uh, having talent want to build on top of this and i would like to be you know the go-to person to like consult and help because as i told you this is my vision of a world that i really like to to live in amazing amazing no and i know you're already doing like such a great job at that so we've talked a lot about sort of some of the opportunities for cello where you're already deploying solutions some of the future uh, would love to explore the challenges in the Celo ecosystem as well. You know, where do you see, and this, this has to do with the future question as well. It's like, you know, what have been some of the challenges that you've sort of seen so far? And how is Celo kind of responding to those challenges? And, and what are you really excited for basically in the future as far as being able to say, you know, this is something that we're kind of struggling with at the moment or something that we need to put more energy towards. So what are those? And you know, how is Celo kind of growing uh, in the face of, of those specific questions? Uh, it's, it's, it's such a complex, uh, uh, yet sometimes day by day or step by step thing to be done, right? Um, there's a commitment that Celo as a community has done, which is to have 40% of its reserved composed by natural assets that I really want to see happen in the nearest future possible. So that's a question that I ask myself like every day. Okay, this is a commit. It's a community saying we believe that natural assets and the protection of natural assets and creative ways of like doing things, it's how we could advance to, you know, this this desired 
not only like stability, but also like rational of how to live our life. So this is something that we haven't been able to accomplish yet. As far as I'm concerned, at this moment, there's only one um, stable asset, sorry, one asset, one green asset on the reserve. So how can we really grow that exponentially to the next level? And this is kind of why I have been taking some initiatives, like, again, uh, to mention for the 10th time, but the hackathon with with the government and this new hackathon, like refi focused in Brazil. This is the one thing that I really think could tip uh, the iceberg for Latin America, especially if maybe, and this is the first time I I talk about this in, in the podcast, we think about not only like um, nature assets, but also the cultural heritage. How we make sure that we're protecting the cultural heritage and also like creating like value and stability out of that, you know, to go back to our own roots in our own country. And coming from like a perspective of like colonized uh, uh, countries, I think this is something very precious and very special for us to crack the economics on how to protect that. So I would say that the number one uh, thing I would personally like to see happening in Telo community, it's exactly that. We're taking care of our nature and our heritage and also like making that into maybe the backing of the UBI projects and the stable assets and whatever we use to trade in our community. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, Guatemala, we have 24 national languages here, super diverse uh, population, one of the highest concentrations of indigenous people as well in the world. So I would love to see more cultural preservation and more celebration and value derived and given to these communities as well, because it is 100% at risk. You know, we have some languages that are endemic to two towns here and spoken nowhere else in the world. And to be able to preserve that culture is is super crucial. And, you know, I just love that this is the type of things that Cello is thinking about and working towards, right? I, I think there are very few, if none, other ecosystems that say, hey, we care about like the celebration of rich cultures, right? Um, and that's amazing. We have a word for that. We have a word for that. It's called celebration. Celebration, <laughs> we, we I love it. We can write it down when when we do it. It's for real. That's amazing. That's amazing. I love it. Awesome. To wrap all this up, this has been a really amazing conversation, Mila. Super robust. We've covered so much of the Celo ecosystem, the work that you're doing in Latin America, and the future of Celo as well. So just to conclude things, maybe you can share with the audience a little bit about you know, where they can connect with you, connect with Celo, and engage with the ecosystem that you're developing at the moment. Thank you once more, Marcus, for this amazing opportunity to speak about, um, you know, possible futures with you and with your audience. If you're listening to us today, I would like to invite you to get in touch. There are different ways to do that. Um, if you're a founder uh, on the solar ecosystem and you, or in any ecosystem and you speak either Spanish and Portuguese, be present if you want every Tuesday, um, UTC minus 3, 11.15 a.m., uh, on the Discord of Cello, we just open this chat. Anything is welcome. You can ask questions, uh, and we can flow from there. If you're more um, a Telegram person, there's the Cello Espanol and the Cello Portuguese, and with the same name, you can also find social media uh, and uh, Twitter. 
LinkedIn and on Instagram. So I think there are good ways for the Latin American community to like congregate in natural languages without any prejudice. If you want to get in the, the, the English channels, they are all called Salo Org. But I would really like to see more action going in Portuguese, Spanish or any other uh, amazing languages that are spoken in Latin America, especially my favorite, which is Portunhol. Portugal selvagem, <laughs> the best language there is. Absolutely, absolutely awesome. Well, thank you so much, Mila. It's been an amazing conversation, super bullish on what you guys are working on. I'm sure the audience will walk away with that same impression as well of the Latin American region and the Celo ecosystem and the, your role there. So just again, uh, thank you so much and look forward to uh, seeing you soon at some crypto conference somewhere around the world. And that's a wrap for today's episode. Thank you for tuning in and joining us along this journey of discovery and exploration as we look towards the frontier of decentralized finance in Latin America. This episode was made possible thanks to the support of the Ethereum Foundation's Fellowship Program, Lens Protocol, and the Cello Foundation. The EF Fellowship Program is a forum for leaders who are driven by leveraging Ethereum as a public good to help billions of people coordinate and thrive. The fellowship program aims to support individuals who are passionate about identifying barriers to mass adoption and breaking down the barriers for underrepresented communities to access crypto. Lens Protocol is an open source tech stack for building decentralized social networking services. The protocol was developed by the Aave companies and launched on Polygon in May of 2022. Through Lens, Web3 developers can build decentralized social media applications and marketplaces that leverage NFT technology to form a fully composable user-owned social graph where the connections and interactions between people are owned by individuals, users, and creators, rather than established networks. And if you're looking for a blockchain platform that's designed to work in the real world, Celo might be the solution for you. With its focus on being carbon negative, mobile first, and EVM compatible, Celo is leading the way towards a new digital economy that's accessible to everyone, particularly those in the global south. Don't forget to share this podcast with your friends and family. Let's connect on Twitter at Marcus, D-O-T-A-M, as well as on Lens, Marcus.Lens. Until next time, keep learning, exploring, growing, and I'll see you on the next episode. Ciao.